Colossians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother. I've read uh, this passage at length for the last two Sundays, so I'll just read verse number 1. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll be turning over to the book of Romans. Lord, we do thank you this morning for your goodness and for your grace. We thank you for the opportunity to meet in your house this morning. I pray, God, that you would help us this morning. Many times we uh, get involved in this self-help and we're going to change our diet and change our appearance and change all these things about ourselves, oh God. We pray that you would help us and we pray that you would lead us and guide us and inspire us and teach us, oh God. We thank you, God, for all that you'll do this morning. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to look into the scripture this morning and find our way. And God, we thank you for all your goodness. We thank you for your provision we thank you for our health. We thank you, God, for all your uh, wonderful blessings to us this morning. Lord, I do want to remember Brother Gibson this morning. God, help him and strengthen him, dear God, and have mercy upon him and his family. Draw them close together, God, and I pray that you'd help them in this uh, great and terrible time that they're going through. Oh, God, I pray for your mercy and for your grace. And then, Lord, I can pray that very same thing for uh, anybody that might be in need here in this house this morning, I pray, oh God, that you would uh, help them with their problems and their troubles and their trials. But Lord, at this time, I pray you'd help them to set those things aside and look for uh, direction and instruction from you, from your word. And we'll thank you and praise you, God, for all your goodness and for all your uh, provision for us. Uh, in Jesus' name, we ask these things this morning. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, again, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother. Now, we went over it before, but it uh, bears mentioning again that Paul uh, does his dead level best to uh, promote two aspects of his life. One, he is a servant, and one, he is an apostle, and both of those things he does by the will of God. And that's, that's really where you're going to find your power. Uh, we talked about it. Uh, a little bit in the past, and it, again, uh, it's always good to uh, repeat things. I, one time, my preacher down in North Carolina, he said he was going to preach a sermon. He said, the last time I preached this sermon was way back in 1950-something. I don't remember the exact date, but it had been 30 years since he had preached it before, and that's pretty good. I was impressed with that. You got enough enough to say that you don't have to repeat yourself. That's pretty good, ain't it? Amen. Uh, when I first went to Georgia, and began pastoring, I ran out of things to say quick. I mean, then you got to start praying and studying and finding something uh, to say. But at any rate, uh, I think repetition is good. I think people learn by repetition. And uh, uh, how many times have you mothers said, if I have to tell you one more time? Well, you're going to have to tell them more than one more time, I tell you that. There's no question about it. Uh, you know, your son may be 50 years old, but he, you're going to have to tell him. Uh, at least one more time, you're going to have to tell them because people don't learn by good sense. People learn by repetition and punishment. And that's just, I'm, I'm sorry that it's that way, uh, but I know this with my own self, with, with the Lord. Uh, my bad habits and my, my terrible uh, aspects, characteristics, whatever you want to call them, the Lord is constantly dealing uh, with me about them because I constantly find myself fooling around with uh, the foolishness of this life, and not to say the foolishness of this world. We, uh, we are creatures of habit, but we don't have a habit of hearing good things and right things. We, 
we don't have a habit of hearing uh, the things that would help us. And we ought to have those things. Amen? And so I repeat it to you uh, as much as I can that what Paul done, he done by the will of God, whether it was uh, his role as a servant or whether he was, it was his role as an apostle. Uh, not many people pay as much attention to it because I think we like to do our own things most of the time. But did you know that Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles? And just to summarize that, he could tell anybody he wanted to what to do. Amen? If Paul the apostle showed up, he could tell Dr. Ruckman what to do. I know some of you don't believe that's possible. He could tell Brother Donovan what to do. Amen? Uh, when Simon Peter didn't agree with him or when they had differences of opinion, the apostle Paul said, I withstood him to the face because they were to be blamed. That's the magnitude uh, and the weight that the Apostle Paul carried. But did you know that the Apostle Paul, when God had a ministry for him to do, God didn't come talk to the Apostle Paul about it. The Bible says that in Antioch there were prophets, there, were, there, was, a, there was a leadership that was in place there, and the Lord went and said to those prophets, Separate me, Barnabas and Paul for the work that I have them to do. And so that Paul's ministry was not his own will. It was the will of God. He didn't say, hey, God called me to uh, Timbuktu and I'm going to do it whether you like it or not. Because I, I, in the role of a pastor, I've had men come to me and say, hey, I believe God's calling me to be a, uh, an evangelist. And I said, no, he ain't. <laughs> he said, well, Brother Mike, you can't say that. I can say that. I can certainly say that. Uh, you say, why? Because it was true. And you say, uh, you say, well, Brother Mike, there's no way you can know that. Well, actually, I, I did know it, and God confirmed it to me the next week when the same young man come into my office and I really need to talk to you because God has called me to be a missionary. No. No, he hasn't. No, he has not. And so... The, the next week on a Saturday, because things always happen right before a service, or right before a, a, a worship day or whatever the case may be, Brother Mike, I get a call on Saturday, Brother Mike, after praying about it, like he prayed about being an evangelist, and like he prayed about being a missionary, and God was, he was sure that God wanted him to do those things all in the span of two weeks. The third week... He was sure that God was calling him to go to Jacksonville to another church. The Lord was positive of those things. You know, so, uh, but at any rate, uh, the young man quickly changed his position from being a Bible believer to being uh, just a, a Christian. And by Bible believer, I mean a, a man that believed the King James Bible was the Word of God. It, that, that position, it didn't take him very long to change that position at all and then move from the church he was at again over to a, one of those journey churches. You know, you know, I don't know if they even have journey churches up north yet, but uh, I think you know what kind of church it is just by, just by the name of it. Amen. Like if you hear a, a church called Verity or something like that, so, you know, one of those one-name principal type names it's it's probably a Stephen Anderson movement or something like that 
But at any rate, you, you know things. You, you know things by the way it looks most of the time and the way it sounds most of the time. And when you hear people start talking about God's will is for me to do this, it's usually selfish. That's just the way that it is. And, but Paul had a very different aspect and a very different outlook about the will of God. He said, I long to see you. Paul never said anything foolish like, I long for you to see me. I just wanted to get up here this morning and say this because I know this will be a blessing to you. Uh, as I pondered and studied this week, the Lord laid this song upon my heart, and I know I want to sing it to you this morning because it will be such a great blessing to you. You go ahead and sing it, but I'm going to do like this. You say, what is it? Because that's not the Christian attitude. The Christian attitude is not, I long for you to see me, uh, that I might rant to you a little while about the, the latest thing I'm upset about. He says, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. The idea that Paul had about the ministry was the same idea that Jesus had about the ministry. And Jesus didn't come to be, uh, he didn't refuse worship because he was God. But in his role as the Lord Jesus Christ, God with us, he, he was here for your benefit. Jesus didn't go around healing himself. He went around healing others. He didn't go around providing for himself. He went around providing for others. He didn't go around, he, he didn't, matter of fact, he made it clear that God in heaven was able to promote him and God in heaven was, was able to bear witness of him and John the Baptist had the same. He said, I must decrease, he must increase. And the will of God is not selfish. It's, it's absolutely not selfish. It is, uh, it, is, it is the life of a servant. The will of God is the life of a servant. And, of course, we're servants to one another. That's a given as far as Christian fellowship is concerned. But ultimately, we are God's servants. We are bought with a price. And whether the, whether the phrase is a popular phrase or whether the subject is, is a popular subject in the day and time in which we live, we are his bond servants. We're bought. We are bought with a price. And one of these days we'll lose this robe of flesh and, and we'll, be, we'll be changed in a great deal. But this flesh keeps us in a place where uh, without the mentality of a bond servant, we get very, very high-minded. Very high-minded. And that's not just true for you. It's not just true for me. But Paul the Apostle said that the Lord sent him a messenger of Satan to buffet him. Why? Because the abundance of revelation, he said, could cause him to get very high-minded, very high-minded. And so it's, it's a lot easier, let me encourage you this, it's a lot easier to humble yourself than it is to be humble. Now, whether it's easy for you to humble yourself or not, I don't know. But it's a lot easier, what I'm trying to get across to you, it's it's a lot easier to submit yourself to the will of God in a place of humility than it is for God to have to humble you. It's easier on you is what I'm trying to say. It's easier, it'll be easier on your life. It'll be easier on your family. It'll be easier on those that you minister to. Amen? If you submit yourself as a servant and then 
to whatever God has for you to do, whether it be, in Paul's case, an apostle in the sense of the apostle to the Gentiles, or in Barnabas' case, he was one sent. He was sent to do a job with a purpose. In that case, he's referred to as, a, as an apostle. Or Simon Peter or John, the apostles of the Lamb. Yeah, I think you all understand those things. But every one of them was disciples first. And I believe that for the most part, most of those men retained the character of a, of a disciple their whole entire life. Amen? And uh, the Bible says that, uh, uh, that, well, I could say a lot about that, but the Bible says that some people are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And I believe that the, the basic problem behind that is, is forgetting whose servant we are. Amen? And then forgetting what uh, capacity that we've been called to serve in. I believe God gives every man a gift, I don't believe God that calls it. I don't believe that God calls any man. I don't believe God imparts His will to any man, but what He gives them the ability to do what He wants them to do. And I believe God will do that for you. I believe God will do that for me. I believe God will do that for anybody that will submit himself themselves to Him. And the good, the great thing about it is, is being in the will of God. You don't have to be quote unquote successful at anything. Uh, I don't know uh, about you, but if I could just get all the people that I've ever witnessed to to agree with me, wouldn't it be nice if all the people you invited to church this week were here this morning? And uh, I really look for them. If I invite somebody to church, and I do invite people to church, I look for them on Sunday morning. I try to find them in the crowd. And... They're not there most of the time. Well, that's a waste of time. Is it? Absolutely not. It's not a waste of time. Because the results of the ministry is not my business. It's just not my business. Amen? Uh, there's a story about uh, General Jackson. That's a southerner. Uh, nicknamed Stonewall. Thomas Jackson. And uh, before he was ever in the Civil War, he was fighting in the, in the Mexican War. And when they come to Mexico City, Jackson was, uh, he was an artillery man. He had a cannon. Well, that's a wonder. If I went into war, I want a cannon. You know, we get out there and have fun shooting at the range with 9 millimeters and 5.56, and that t that's a popular thing, I suppose. But if I'm in combat, I want a cannon or a tank. <laughs> Amen. Nothing like hiding inside a thick piece of steel shooting stuff at other people. That's the way to go. Uh, but, but at any rate, this Thomas Jackson, he had a, he had a and this may, may or may not be a good illustration of the point, but he, had a, he, he was in charge of cannon, and he was set up on a hill across from the gate to Mexico City, and uh, the, uh, the Winfield Scott, the general that was in charge of the, the campaign, said, you know, to, to the Mexicans, he said, you've got until a specific time to surrender or it's going to be bad for you. And when that time came and went and they hadn't surrendered, he issued an order to Jackson to start shooting. And uh, he started shooting, and there was civilians and everything in the city, and they were bottled up. They couldn't go anywhere. And Jackson said, when I, as, I, as our guns began to shoot, I could see lines of people. He said, I could follow the trace of that cannonball going through the city. 
just ripping up civilians and military alike. And after the battle, somebody asked Jackson, he said, does it make you feel bad at all about all those people dying? He said, that's not my responsibility. It's not my responsibility. He said, I'm not responsible for any of that. The only thing I'm responsible for is my commander gave me an order to fire, and I fired, and whoever the cannonball hit is not my problem. Not going to lose sleep over it. Not going not to regret it. Not gonna, you say, well, that's a pretty hard way of looking at things. Well, I wish Christians had that regard about their own commander. This is his orders. I'm going to follow those orders. If people respond, wonderful. If they don't, it's not wonderful, but it's not my responsibility. And I can tell you this without any question whatsoever. This is absolute truth. There have many of God's servants quit. There have many of God's servants turned their back on their responsibility to Christ, their responsibility to the church, their responsibility to their fellow Christians. Many a man has quit because they did the right thing but didn't get their expected results. I preach to this congregation and they never come to the altar. These people are so wicked I'm going to quit and go pastor a perfect church. People are people everywhere. Unbelievers are unbelievers everywhere. It is true that there are some unbelievers are prostitutes, some of them are drug addicts, some of them are drug dealers, some of them are, some of them are very moral people, some of them are well-trained people, some of them are responsible people, but it makes no difference. That's none of your business. It's none of your business. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, but only preach it to people who you know are going to respond correctly. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's not your responsibility. It's not your responsibility. It's, it can be depressing if you take it personal. Amen. But it's not personal. And I would like to remind you, it's not your will. It's not your gospel. It's not your Bible. It's not your truth. When somebody offends God, I, I, I find myself in this condition all the time, or this position all the time, rather. Uh, and I... I, I bring this up all the time, and all of you folks, or the greater part of you folks know this fella, but I used to know a fella that would quit a job just about every three or four weeks. They cussed down there. They were, they were telling dirty jokes, and I, I just can't be around that. Well, I, in a sense, I can understand that from a position of immaturity as a Christian, but the Bible says, you know, that... that Paul says, he said, I, I want you to, sep and I, please forgive me for paraphrasing, but I hadn't memorized the whole Bible yet. Uh, Paul says, I've, I've asked you to separate yourself if somebody's a whoremonger. He said, but, he said, not altogether the whoremongers of the world, but if any man call himself a brother, and he, then in that case you separate yourself, but you're to preach to that whoremonger that's lost, uh, you say, well, they're an offense. I understand that if, if you've got sensibilities. I understand that. But they're not sinning against you. They're sinning against God. And you're the rescue. In the sense of saving them, Jesus died on the cross for them. He is their ultimate rescue. But God saves people by means. We're not Calvinists. I'm not a Calvinist. I don't know about you. Maybe you are a Calvinist. I don't know. But I'm not a Calvinist. 
Uh, God didn't just, God is not just going to save the guy you work with. God uses means. He used the Holy Spirit. And then how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? That's a Calvinist killer. No matter which way you circumnavigate reason in order to make that seem like logic. How shall they hear without a preacher? That's plain truth. And he's not talking about an ordained minister, minister who has been put in place as a pastor of Faith Baptist Church. He's talking about you. How shall they hear without a preacher? You. Amen. It's not, and if we're not going to talk about our personal responsibility, then what else can we talk about? Uh, we, we, over the last two weeks, we've been discussing the will of God. We've been, we've been probing at it just a little bit, trying to figure out, you know, what it is basically and simply. Uh, but how can we talk very long about the will of God, and how can we even discuss whether or not you're going to be a pastor or a missionary or, or an evangelist or any of that stuff until we're even working in and around us on a daily basis? And I know that there's plenty, I, I even know this from experience, there are plenty of preachers who get so busy with sermon outline stuff and daily administrations that we forget that the will of God hasn't changed for us since the first day we got up the gumption and the nerve to witness. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And it turns out to be just, hey, let me invite you to church. <laughs> and because it, it's a... It's, it's kind of a, a daunting task to start meddling in somebody else's life. Amen? And I, I, don't, I don't know if you're fighting a spiritual battle, you can say it's easy. If you want to, you can, you can say, well, I've got the kind of personality that I can talk to anybody. Maybe you are that way. I don't know. But I know this. It's not a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. I know this. Every time that I've ever thought about going and knocking on doors, in my mind, it's a turmoil. Man, I don't want to do that. Man, it's, and there's something that goes on there that is kind of strange for somebody who says they believe in Jesus Christ. Amen? But the first door you knock on, just as soon as your hand wraps against the wood, those things change. And the person, even if the person that comes to the door slams the door in your face, the, the, the warfare that's there goes away at that point. You're having the time. I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm having the time of my life. Having the time of my life. Uh, I was just at work just two days ago, Friday evening, and uh, had been witnessing all week and passing out tracks all week and about to finish up the job I was working on. The Lord said, give that fellow a track. Well, you know he's probably got other things to do. What? What does he have to do? Well, you know, the guy's car just broke down. It's a BMW. You know, he's probably upset about that. Who cares? Well, I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that before. It's, it's God's will for you. You're called to do it. You do it every week from a pulpit. But where does the argument come from? Where, where does the resistance come from? Where does the drawing back from that will come from? But it comes. It shows up. I don't care if you've been doing it 
I've been in church since 1974. Been in a situation where I've been witnessing since preschool, since grade school. My preacher told me to tell you that Jesus loves you. You know, that's a stupid way to witness. Hey, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> you say what you want to. I don't go home with you. But 50 years old. Maybe it don't bother you. Maybe you never have any turmoil of mind about anything. I don't know. But I know this. The will of God, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So I know that it's more, it's more than just flesh. And I know I'm not ashamed of the Lord. The battle comes. And you know, you say, well, Brother Mike, you know. Well, I'd rather have that than to fight North Korean communists. <laughs> amen. I mean, really. Uh, at, amen. Uh, you know, I'd rather go through that kind of a trouble of mind than to, you know, to worry about some other things that some people worry about, but it, or, and some people have legitimate things to worry about. I don't think we as Americans, I think we as Americans invent things to worry about. And if, we, if there's not enough trouble in our lives, we go out and invent some. And then heap it upon ourselves so we can go, Brother Ken, I'm so oppressed. You know, let me... Uh, burden you down with 15 hours of explanation for, uh, just for Brother Ken to walk away and say, well, he brought that on himself. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and I can tell you how many times I've had that counseling session. Boy, I, I even hate that terminology. But at any rate, sit down and talk with a guy. Hey, I wanted to tell you about, you know, the devil's really fighting me, you know, and give me 10 hours worth of explanation just for me to say, that's not the devil, that's you. <laughs> you, you did that to you. You and most of the time, I can say that for myself. 99% of my problems, the devil don't have to fight me. I'm, busy. I'm too busy fighting myself to allow the devil any time to persecute me at all. Not saying that he wouldn't. Not saying that he's not. I'm just saying that I'm the, the, the root cause of most of my problems and troubles. Amen. Let me give you a great secret to life. One of the wonderful things in life is taking responsibility. I, there are people that are so mad at their parents for mistreating them. Want to know how to get rid of that? Take responsibility for it yourself. How about this? Try this. I was such a terrible kid. Isn't that what you're saying about your parents? My parents were so terrible. Maybe they were. Are you going to stew in that poison for the rest of your life? Uh, listen, you being disgruntled today and tomorrow, like you're 50 years old, and you're going to spend the rest of your day and tomorrow and next week and next month disgruntled about that, is that going to change the fact? It's not, is it? My boss has always given me a hard time. Well, be a better employee. Or quit. It, isn't that a novel idea? You live in America. Nobody's making you go to work there. Amen. 
You could always go work at McDonald's and dust those kiosks that they're replacing all their, uh, their employees with. It's a possibility. Start mowing yards or something like that. I don't know. But take responsibility. The preacher is always fussing at us from the pulpit. Live a better life. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. Yeah, there's always options. That's one of the great things about life. There's options. you got options. Amen. Uh, we had a guy in Georgia that would come to me uh, frequently. He said, Brother Mike, uh, I, I disagree with what you said there. I said, you know, there's other churches, right? I mean, there is. He probably thought the same thing about me. Well, he got his wish. I went to another church. Although that is, a, in my opinion, in my estimation, that's a good church. Y'all pray for Brother Nathan down there. Boy, he's in a battlefield. He's in a battlefield, that's for certain. But at any rate, uh, there's, there's all, taking responsibility is a great thing. It is, it, it, it'll really help you out. I don't know how I got on that, but perhaps it's needed this morning. Uh, he said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now let's look at Romans uh, since I've already went this far into the class this morning without advancing, uh, we'll go ahead and just recap what we looked at last week. And I said this last week, it's God's will for you to live by faith. I know that's so boring. You want to find out how to answer the call to be a pastor and how to be an evangelist and what's the fast track? Well, you know, there is the option of just calling preachers and say, hey, can I come preach for you? You can try that. It might work. I don't know. Our preacher told us when we was little, don't ever ask nobody. To he, was he was talking to preachers at that time, not particularly me, me but uh, that's just the way we were raised. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying you can't call somebody and ask them to let you preach or any such thing as that. I'm just saying you could do that if you want to. I don't particularly like that method. Uh, of course, it wouldn't work for me no way. I've got to habit of making people mad. I don't believe everything in a Ruckman con commentary. So, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to forsake my brethren, but my brethren ain't going to call me to preach very much if I'm going to, you know, maybe say something they might disagree with or something like that. And the other half of the folks I was raised with don't believe in beards and, and stuff, and you got to wear a white shirt every service, and God bless them. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. It's just I'm not going to be an evangelist anytime soon. Amen. Of course, but at any rate, just if you want to go about it that way and self-promote yourself, I wouldn't be mad. If, if Floyd Mayweather can promote himself, uh, I would say a preacher could do the same thing. Amen? At least you're doing a good thing by preaching and, and all of these things. But the will of God, I, I wish, you know, that the area that we're covering was as, was as important to you as you being able to preach to somebody. And I would like for you to consider this, and I don't, I don't mean this uh, in a, um, with any false bravado, I don't mean this to be dramatic, I don't mean this to be, to be a, a rebuke of any kind, I think this in my own mind and in my, about my own self, but the question that you need to ask yourself when you're itching to preach is, what do you have to say? 
why do we need to hear from you? You Brother Mike, no, I'm talking to myself too. Brother Joe, I found myself itching to preach. As Cody Zorn says, I got preach in me. I think they make something for that. Amen. I don't know. I don't, there's probably a powder or a spray or something that will help you with that. I don't know. But I, I love Brother Cody. That's just funny. I thought that was funny. Anyway, he probably don't think that's funny. But anyway, I don't mean nothing by it. But I found myself that way. Hey, man, I want to preach. I want to preach. God, I pray you'd let somebody call me to, you know. And then I think to myself, what would I preach? If somebody called me right now and asked me to preach tonight, what would I preach? What do I have? Would I go rant to him about, I don't know, a, some pet peeve of mine? What, am I going to go preach to him about the evils of the gap theory? No. I'm not going to waste my time on that kind of stuff. Go to a congregation I've never been before and give them a dissertation on homosexuality? No. No, no, no. They'd be better served by somebody turning to John 3.16 and preaching the gospel. Amen. God didn't call me to rant. And back to the idea of it being God's will, not mine. Uh, a A congregation is not well served to hear a man just get up and preach about what he's mad about, what he's upset about. There's a lesson you learn uh, in 10 years of being a pastor. And having, you say, uh, did you go to Bible school? Yeah, I went 10 years. <laughs> Amen. Uh, would you recommend three years of Bible school or 10 years of the pastor? Well, if you like getting kicked in the head and struck by lightning, go ahead and be a pastor. <laughs> Amen. But at any rate, uh, one of the lessons you learn first is not to take things personal. You're doing God's will. Don't take it personal. The Lord said, if they hate you, they hated me first. Are these people just not listening? Well, don't take it personal. They, they just don't believe. It's not your problem. Just preach what God told you to preach. And then one of the, one of the first lessons that you learn is don't preach about what you're mad about. It don't turn out like you think it's going to. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It's awkward. That's what it is. It's awkward. Uh, if I got up this morning and just preached about something I'm mad about, it's awkward. Because it there's no connection. I'm mad about it. You're going to hear about it. That's no fun. It's only fun for me if I'm a jerk. It's never going to be fun for you. Except for... You might, as a preacher, you might have fanboys who, I'll back him anything he says. That means both of us are idiots. Amen. Amen. Let me just say that real good and plain. If you back a preacher just because he is who he is, just because of what his name is, you are a cotton-picking idiot. Amen. Thank you very much. I have never met a preacher including myself, that is right about everything. We are fallible human beings. And the worst people to think that are the the preachers themselves. Amen? Listen, I told this to People's Baptist Church. I'll tell it to you. The most dangerous thing that you do not know is the thing you do not know. Amen? Now, you're the first congregation I've ever asked this to who actually responded to it but I'd like to do this from time to time and I say 
raise your hand if you're wrong about anything. People in this congregation actually raise their hand. One of these days I'm going to say, what is it? I'm not really looking for answers and I'm not looking for clues. I don't care. But in every other church I've said that, nobody raised their hand. And that's truth. That's telling the truth because you're right about everything. Now, just, now I'm talking to all you non-preachers. You're right about everything. You're right. You're just right. If somebody disagreed with you today, you'd fuss with them because you're right. Now, just double and triple that for people who think they're called to preach. Amen. But the dangerous thing about that is, is you don't know what you don't know. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know, uh, you know, preachers get involved with this intelligence thing, intelligence quotient. And, you know, I like some preachers that I think are wrong about a lot of things, like Martin Lloyd-Jones. The thing about Martin Lloyd-Jones is he's a Presbyterian preacher. He's, uh, he's uh, in the line of George Whitfield. The Methodists became Welch Presbyterians at some point in that on the wet, on the not the Wesley side, but the Whitfield side. Martin Lloyd-Jones was in that strain of Christianity and the older man, and they always talk about logic on fire. He's the most intelligent and all this. He's got some good things to say, and I enjoy hearing it from time to time. But let me tell you about this intelligence. That intelligence quotient, your ability to learn. No, intelligence is your ability to be trained. That's it. Did you know this, that there are men who have low intelligence scores who have mastered a trade and make more money than scientists who went and got a Harvard degree and now work at Lowe's as the assistant manager? Intelligent. They can be trained. You can teach them what algebra is and calculus is, but you can't... Uh, you can't teach them how to fix a John Deere motor. Which one's smarter? You can't teach them to run a farm. You can't, you can't teach them to raise a family. Intelligence don't mean you're smart. It means you're trainable. So is my German shepherd. Amen. The thing that you don't the things that you don't know is the dangerous part. Independent Baptists are the best that I know of at standing up and proclaiming. We're right, bless God, and everybody's wrong. It's because you're an idiot. And it's because you've been trained to do that. Hey Amen. I'm I'm not uh, really trying to be hard on you. I'm trying to help you this morning to understand. That it's God's will, it's God's doctrine, it's God's book, it's God's ministry, it's God's gospel, it's God's everything. We are His servants, called to do a specific job in that. And the least that you involve yourself in it, amen? The servant's not about doing his own will. Jesus said that His meat was to do the will of the Father. Is Jesus a good enough example for you? Amen? I mean, Jesus ought to know. I'm sure he didn't consult with you first, but I bet he knows. Amen. I believe the Lord knows what's best for you. That's God's will. Whether it recur uh, as far as Romans chapter 1 is concerned, 
He says, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's God's will for you. And my, my hope and prayer for you is that you'll start today and whatever you do, you do it by faith. If you get to preach a sermon, preach it by faith. Amen. I found that to work better than any outline. This outline doesn't seem to be working at all. This is only, this is only 10 minutes worth of material here, and I can't stick with it. It just can't hold my attention. But at any rate, regardless of the failures of, of you know, preaching types and manners and methods, forget all that. But what I'm trying to say to you is, if you're going to preach, preach by faith. Uh, you know, when I read my Bible, I read my Bible by faith. Amen. Amen. I don't read my Bible trying to prove anything. I study my Bible, and I, it's almost to the point, though, where I, I want to say, the Bible says, study to show thyself approved. Amen? It does say that in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. It does say that. I didn't hear no amens, but it's in there. I promise you. I'm tempted to say I don't study the Bible. But that would be, be wrong to say, and it would be a bad example. But what I mean by that is, is I don't just wake up one morning and decide I believe in eternal security and just go through the Bible and try to find it. No, I read the Bible, and I read the Bible, and I read the Bible, and I, read, I find it there. And I'm a dispensationalist. I believe that the Old Testament and the New Testament are different dispensations. I believe the book of Peter and the book of Romans are different dispensations. But I don't know about you. I'm not trying to segregate Peter from Paul. I start in Genesis. That's Moses. I have no problems. But you know what I find? That if I don't get in the Bible and try to be a Ruckmanite, and I know some of you think, Brother Mike hates Dr. Ruckman. I do not. I just, Dr. Ruckman didn't die for me. Amen? I disagree with him on some things because he's not my Lord and Master. The Bible is. Amen? But I don't get in my Bible trying to defend Dr. Ruckman. Dr. Ruckman don't need defending. Well, I'll tell you what, he said something that Dr. Ruckman disagrees with, and I'm, I'm going to prove Dr. Ruckman right. Well, that's a good way to mess yourself up. It just is. But I get in my Bible and I read it, Genesis to, Re to Revelation, I might skip around and read James and then read. And James is a good book, by the way. Amen. 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 I don't care if you don't like it. I don't care if you don't. Uh, we had a wonderful prayer service around the book of James the other night. And you'll have Baptists say, oh, I don't believe in all that. Well, you believe it when it's be doers of the word and not hearers only. You believe that part, don't you? You believe the second chapter, not the last? How about the first where it says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth liberally to all men, and upbraideth not. You believe that? Let him not waver. He that wavers, huh, you're not going to receive nothing. That's what James said. You preach that, you talk about that. But the part where somebody else gets help or somebody else gets healing. You don't believe in that part? Because you're an idiot. Flat on your feet. 
don't discriminate against James. Amen. James will help you out. One of these days, it'll be you in need. Amen. Amen. That's good stuff right there. Oh, I, oh, the best thing for you to do is start in Genesis, go to Revelation, skip around all you want to. It's none of my business. But just read it and believe it and let the book read you. The book reading you will do a great amount of change. The Bible says the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll look in there in your heart and find your will. And I promise you this, once he finds your will and reveals to you his own will, and he finds that those things are at cross purposes, he'll touch your buttons every chance he gets. You say, why? Because that's the way God works. That's the way God works. You'll do far better reading your Bible and believing it rather than, I think, I'll, I think today I'll get in the Bible and prove X, Y, or Z. Amen. It'll help you. It'll help you. I've had people come to me before and say, uh, go to a camp meeting down in North Carolina someplace, not a fellow that loves Dr. Ruckman in the room. And I, before too long, I'll be in the cafeteria, dinner on the grounds after church. Somebody will sit in next to me. Hey, uh, that fellow over there told me you, uh, like you was uh, one a Ruckmanite. That'd be kind of, you know, feeling around it before they, they don't know any other way to say it. Ruckmanite. I heard you as a Ruckmanite. Like, well, I like Dr. Ruckman. Don't you like him? Well, you know, I just have a problem with, okay, you've got a problem with it. You must have a big problem with it. You're going to come over here and talk to me and nobody. Try, all that is is self-justification, folks. I wish you knew that. I don't take that personal. I don't even care. Somebody come up to me after, I hate Dr. Ruckman. He's been married so many times. Well, I hope it never happens to you. Have a great day. I'm not going to be offended by it. You know, I've only got one wife. I want to keep her for the rest of my life. If you try to hinder that, I'll shoot you. <laughs> Amen? Uh, but, you know, Dr. Ruckman had to answer for himself. His wives have to answer for themselves. I don't care a thing about that. Uh, on, on, on everything that I know of that matters, I like him. I agree with him. Amen. He's right, he's right about that book. You've got a problem with that? That's probably where it is because there's where, there's where the will of God lies. Amen. And you say, what about that? I just do it by faith. He said, well, Brother Mike, you know, you're supposed to live peaceably with all men. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. And likewise, if, 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 if it comes down to the fact where I've got to choose between what's right and wrong and your friendship, I'll choose what's right. Amen. I don't have to fellowship with this brother in California or this brother in, in North Carolina or that brother, even if I grew up with them all my life. I choose what's true. 52 weeks a year, the microphone might quit working. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference whatsoever. doesn't make any difference. doesn't make any difference. Uh, the thing you're going to learn by living the Christian life is it has to be done by faith. In faith regarding the God, I have run out of time again.
the faith regarding the God. I think I was right at this point last week when I ran out of time. He, he says in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As, is, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse number 38. Now the just shall live by faith. You got saved by faith. That's Romans, we just read it, Romans chapter 1. You got saved by faith. He says, the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in it. Talking about your Christian life. Brother Mike, this is the book of Hebrews. You know, this was written to Hebrews. I know it, but I said it before, I say it again. The principles of the Bible do not change, and they're all true no matter where you find them. So he says, now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. See, there's an eternal security passage in the book of Hebrews. Men are going to draw back. Men are going to fall back from their standing position. That's called apostasy. Every one of you believe that because you quoted out of Thessalonians. They'll come a falling away. That's where you get your doctrine that the last days are going to end in apostasy. He says, if your soul draws back, he, he said, if you draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in you. But we're not the kind that draws back to perdition. You're not going to draw back and go to hell. You draw back as far as your Christian life goes, as far as the will of God goes, you draw back to a position of displeasure. We're not living to please Paul, you understand that, but we are living to please the Lord, to please our master, to, to, to please the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. He said, what is that in the Greek? That's the boss. Amen. The Lord. He's the boss. The Lord doesn't have any pleasure when you draw back, when you backslide. I'm glad we don't draw back to being lost again. That's what the verse is saying. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. You know what's good for backsliders? Go back to a salvation experience. I didn't say get saved again, to go back there where you was mentally, your state of mind. Remember where you was when you was found? You got to get right back to that place. A person has to go right back to a place of repentance if he's going to get right. Well, I just messed up. It'll be all right. No, you're going to fall further back than you was to begin with. I wish if I had time to say it, I would say this. The Bible says when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he goeth through dry places and returneth and findeth his home swept and garnished. He said he goes and finds seven spirits more wicked than himself, and he comes back and he says the last state of that man is worse than the first. That's what you call drawing back further than you were to begin with. It's, it's not something to be brushed off. An apathetic heart, uh, a wandering mind, a foolish mouth, it's not something to just say, oh, I just messed up. It's going back to a place of repentance and replacing yourself into the will of God. As the Bible says, keep yourself in the love of God. As the Bible says, walk worthy of the vocation. That's your calling. The vocation wherewith you're called. It's a repentant place. The will of God is a repentant place. And it's constant repentance. Constant. I don't see how you Christians live always being down all the time. We're not down. Repentant doesn't mean necessarily you're downtrodden all the time. To me, repentance is a place of joy. It's a place of safety. It's a place of forgiveness. It's a place of power. It's a place of strength. It's a, hey, it's a place of second starts and third starts and fourth starts. And fifth, you may think bad of repentance, but I love it 
Repentance is a place to start over. It's a place to get re-energized. It's a place to get more power and more strength and more direction because God ain't going to keep talking to you in your haughty and proud attitude, your haughty and, and, and proud characteristic. Lord's not going to talk to you in that. God resisteth the proud and gives grace to the humble. Who are the humble but the repentant? God, I know what, I know what your will is for me, but I got sidetracked. I got off track, and I pray you'd forgive me and help me and have mercy on me. Amen. I, you may not see it, but I tend to see everything I believe on every page of the Bible. I don't know if you do or not, but when I go back to that idea that Paul said, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, I see repentance in that. I see a place where he says, I owe you a debt. I see that very clearly and very plainly. A place of repentance is a wonderful place to serve. Amen. I don't have time to go on. We'll try to advance next week. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your great pardon, God. The, the fact that you'd have dealings with poor sinful men like us. Lord, uh, I should say poor sinful men like myself, God. I thank you for your goodness to me, your grace to me, God. I thank you personally. And Lord, I thank you, God, because I know you've been the same God to each and every one of these, your children. I thank you, uh, Lord, for what you've done for me, and I thank you, God, for what you've done for these. And I thank you, God, that we know and can count on your faithfulness that you'll be our God tomorrow and the day after that. You'll be watching over us and guiding us and protecting us and leading us in the path that you want us to go. And we know, God, that ultimately that is your will. The path that you have for us to walk, God, it's your will, it's your direction for our life. Help us to learn about it. Help us to consider it. Help us, oh God, to find it and do it. And we'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Take a little break this morning.